You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Wednesday evening. Time for American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. How the hell is everybody doing? My name is Alex. Thanks for tuning in. If you are tuning in or if you're listening to the stream in the future, thank you so much for listening. My guest tonight, uh, joining us all the way from Los Angeles, uh, actress Shane Easton. Shane, how you doing? I'm doing great. I just got back from Disneyland. Oh, <laughs> Disneyland in California, Disneyland, the original Disneyland? Yes, the. No the kidding. One. <laughs> Only Disney. Very true. True story. I just got back uh, today. What did you uh, What did you do at Disneyland? I um, want. To, I wanted to see the um, the new Galaxy's Edge Star Wars land, mm-hmm. um, and so it was actually part of a um, kind of Christmas present my my partner got me, and so we decided to go. This time of year. Um, the end of June to early February is the slowest time of year. Ah. So it's the only time I'll go. It still, it didn't keep me from getting hit by a stroller. But, oh no. Uh, so yeah. that, that uh, is a, that is a risk at Disneyland to get hit with a stroller. It's one of the most common places to be hit with a stroller. Yeah. And the, and the dad who hit me didn't even apologize. Like I was walking and then all of a sudden I got hit from behind with a stroller that had two kids in it. It was like one of those twin strollers. And I turned around and he just looked at me. He didn't even say sorry. Oh my God. He, so he could have, he could have uh, damaged his children if you'd have fallen into them. And yeah. so he was probably like, who the hell is this? Why am I, why is she in my way? That's, that's true. Yeah. I guess it was in his way. So. That's what I get. <laughs> well, well, what what was Galaxy's Edge like though? Did it live up to the hype? Um, I mean, yeah, okay. To be honest, I, I like I'm a Star Trek person. I oh. like Star Trek. Uh, I know the interview's <laughs> over. Really <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody, everyone's really disappointed when I tell them that. Um, but I mean, I I, I understand um, that you know we should appreciate Star Wars, and I understand what there is to like about it, and. Um, you know, I'm really interested in immersive theater, and that's what they did. Um, in this park, they did a lot of immersive stuff. Like mm. uh, Kylo Ren came out and was, you know, talking to the different audience members. Um, he, I forget who he was looking for. He was looking for somebody, and he was trying to get the the people who were in the crowd to help him. And then, meanwhile, there were rebels running around trying to hide from him. So a rebel would come up to you and be like, hey, can you help me get from here to there without him seeing me? And you'd have to, like, sneak them across the park. So that was that was fun. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's, there's not that much to do there yet, but it's it's really beautiful. And it's, I mean, just if, you, if you're just talking about the art direction and what it looks like and what it feels like to be there, it's it was beyond what I thought they could do. So. so the visuals definitely lived up to the hype, but there's still not a lot of the attractions aren't completed yet. So there's some stuff that's not open. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's small because it's Disneyland, so mm-hmm. it's not going to be massive like I'm sure the Disney World one's going to be. But um, it was fun. <laughs> it's funny you say that because the a guest that I had two weeks ago is a hosts a Disney podcast that focuses on the theme park. So that was all I talked about pretty much uh, on my show two weeks ago. So that's uh, that's oh, funny that you ended up that you just got back. 
and uh, got hit with a oh. stroller. <laughs> yeah, it could have been much worse than that, but so I'm I'm, I'm grateful that it was just a stroller. Yeah, yeah, it could have been worse. Yeah. It could have been like I don't know, like one of those parade floats or something. I don't know. I'm sure there's more. <laughs> There's more deadly things to be struck by when it comes to Disneyland. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I usually start off the uh, interview with uh, the same question. That question is, where were you born? I was born in Los Angeles at um, Cedar sinai uh, Hospital uh, in West Hollywood, the West Hollywood neighborhood of Los Angeles. Ah, so you've um, so have you lived in Los Angeles your whole life then? Not not my whole life. Um, so I lived here until I was ten years old, and then my parents divorced, and I spent a school year in a suburb of Chicago, and then summers and holidays out out here with my dad. So I I grew up kind of flying back and forth between the Midwest and Los Angeles. Ah, so you got the full experience then. You got the West Coast and the Midwest. There's, there's, you know, that's two uh, vital parts of America, American culture there. So what, what suburb of Chicago were you in? I was in Naperville. Oh, okay. It's kind of, a, it's a, it's a, it's a really nice suburb. It's, it's right next to Aurora and it's, um, when I was out there, they, they had the best math and science schools in the state, which was unfortunate for me because I was terrible at math and science. So it just made it all that much, you know, harder for me oh, when I was a kid. Because that was their um, focus, huh? That's what they're that's what they focused on. Oh yeah. I mean yeah, I mean they were they were hardcore all about the math and science. Um so and I was, you know, I was into literature and history and art. And so all the things I liked you know just not as important to this school district, but it was pretty. And I'm glad I got, uh, I'm glad I got the experience of living uh, in the Midwest too. It was like really beautiful, really great food um, in the city of Chicago. When I got to go spend time there, it was so fun. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, if you have to live in the Midwest, Chicago is probably the best big city that you can go for. It's, it's clean. It's, uh, um, you know, it's just that's the place that I tell people to go visit if they've never been to the Midwest. I mean, Detroit, not to knock Detroit, Detroit, I, I, Detroit is home to me and Detroit has its charms. But uh, as a first impression, I'd probably tell somebody to go check out Chicago. Yeah. I've never been to Detroit, but I hear great things about Detroit. I hear that it's really fun, good music scene. And um, it's, you know, it's just like a different kind of a place. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, I, uh, I, I agree. No, Detroit is home to me. It's, it's where I've lived uh, my whole life, and, um, and I, that's the best compliment I can give it. It's, 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 it's actually the, the city itself has done, has been improving quite a bit ever since the bankruptcy. That was sort of proved to be a rock bottom thing. It's still got its problems for sure, um, but uh, mm-hmm. compared to where it was, you know, ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, it's, it's. It's definitely gotten better. Um, but uh, so what was that like for you uh, uh, going out to, to visit your dad then? If you spent most of your time out, outside of Chicago and then you would go and, and you said it was, was it summers and weekends or something like that with your dad? Uh, yeah, so summers and holidays. So like winter break, Thanksgiving and spring break. 
and I, did I say summer? I'm sure I did. Uh, I would I would fly back to LA. So I mean, I just I flew a lot. Uh, that was um, really early. So I was I was flying at least eight times a year. Um, wow. And yeah, and it was just it just became like a normal thing for me as a kid, which is funny because now I'm I'm not as comfortable flying now as I was when I was a kid. Um, I think maybe because I did it so often back then, it was, it was just I was so used to it. And now, whenever I fly, I feel like it's this huge ordeal, and and it, I get stressed out about it. Um, but it was it was it was hard. Like when I when I moved there, I was so young. I was ten, and it was, it was right when I was going into junior high. Um, I didn't know anybody in Illinois, and it I, it was just different because it was it was a different culture. So the you know kids dressed differently and acted differently and it just, it really felt like a like a different world um that I had to kind of get used to um and it was hard for me to make friends I didn't really I I wasn't I didn't make too many friends out there uh, when I was a kid uh not until high school and then when I was in high school it was just because I saw on TV theater and choir scenes that was like I was able to find a community there. And then when I'd come out here to visit my uh, father, I I kind of lost touch with all of my friends from elementary school because he moved also to a new neighborhood. And, you know, I was 10. I didn't know how to keep in touch with people. I was right. <laughs> So when I'd come out here, it was just very, like, I'd spend most of my time uh, just, like, walking to the video store, which that really ages me. But you know, I would walk to the movie store, the not a blockbuster, but we had like a little independent one, and you know, rent movies and just hang out at home a lot. So I was kind of an introvert. I still am. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, you know, to have that transition, middle school sucks. Even if you're, you know, even if you don't switch time zones, you know, it's and- the worst. Yeah. yeah, it is. That's like the worst. That's because the kids are teenagers, but they're not teenagers. You got some that can shave already and some that still look like they're, you know, six. And uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 just everybody's in a bad mood. That's what I remember about it. And um, so for you to have to go through that uh, with uh, with, <laughs> you know, with moving on top of it is I mean, no wonder. And, but I mean, you know, then you, when you would go back to your dad's house, even though he moved neighborhoods, you know, the, going to the video store and stacking up on movies was, I mean, I used to do that too. And that's a great, that was a great way to pass the time as a kid, you know, especially if you didn't have anything else to do, you know, if you weren't social or whatever, you know, that's a great way to, to, to sort of learn things and to, to, to watch people and, and, and all that. Um, and I have, a, and that, that obviously got you, uh, you know, I don't know if you had the acting bug then, but if you didn't before, you probably did after, I would imagine. Um, well, I did. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad is an actor. Um, so I, when I was a kid, I was like, I wanted to be just like him. Like that was, you know, I was just like, well, I'm going to do what you do. It just like if, if he was a, a teacher or what, you know, I just wanted to be like my dad. He was my hero. Um, and then, so he's kind of the one that also got me really into movies. Um, he always said it was important to know, like, the history about what you want to do. Um, so when I rented movies, I wasn't just like, I mean, I was, I would go to the cheese. I love horror. So I'd go to the cheesy horror section and I'd get like, really crazy cheesy horror movies, but I also considered it like 
I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning about my craft, about the thing I want to do, the history of the town that I'm from is all here in the video store, which is silly, but it was, uh, that was like really important to me. Yeah. Well, it's funny because your, your dad, uh, your dad is Steve Easton, who um, when, when I was at like 13, when I was in middle school, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite movies was Con Air. And your dad plays a prison guard in that. He's actually got kind of a prominent role in the first half of the movie. And um, mm-hmm. and he has a little exchange with Dave Chappelle at one point. And, and, uh, and so I, I'm familiar with your dad's work. He was also in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, very briefly, if you remember the – uh, for people who are listening, if you remember the sequence where they're all just there, it's that weird sequence where they're all describing Dr. Evil's ship. He's the umpire who yells out two balls. Uh, so, so that's, uh, that, that is, that is your dad. And, and how, so did he get you into, uh, acting like, I mean, as long as you can remember, or was there a specific age, like when you, you know, started coming out to see him, uh, for the holidays and summers, was that when he was like, okay, Shane, like you should, uh, you should, you know, if you want to pursue this, you should start going to the video store and getting learning up on that craft. Actually, I, I mean, even before then, I, I when I was really young, um, so before my parents split up, uh, you know, when you when you move in Burbank, you you meet kids that act too. Um, and I was I was in elementary school, and there were, there were all these kids who were telling me that they were acting and going on auditions, and I got like really kind of mad. Because I, cause I was like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I had this, I had this I'm not supposed to have competition. Like, no, yeah, I mean, it, it was a competition, but I was like, I was like, wait, you already get to do this? So I was just like, so, you know. So I remember going to my mom and my dad and practically like begging them, you know, to let me audition. You know, when I was like six, um, at seven, like first grade, and they. Um, and I think that they they were very reluctant to do that because not only is there a stigma about child actors, but there's also one about, you know, the parents of child actors. Like, right. they really didn't want to be known as, like, stage parents. Or have, you know, there's, it, people use some toxic language to describe people who let their kids uh, do that out here. Um but they came in. <laughs> I was uh, convincing, I guess, and I got to start um, auditioning when I was young. So I mean, I I had I watched. I mean, when I was like in first grade, I watched The Wizard of Oz probably like you know three hundred times in a year. I mean, that was the way that I felt about that movie. It was obvious that I had some kind of weird obsession with like. Uh, you know, storytelling in in performance and, and visually in film. I was just like so obsessed. I was like, how could somebody make such a perfect movie? And, and you hear this seven year old talking about the Wizard of Oz like that. You're like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with this kid? But um, yeah, so it was a it was a long long obsession. <laughs> Well, do you remember your first audition then when your parents, when you went to your parents and said, I want to do this? And they were like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll give you a shot. Do you remember the, when you started auditioning, like the very first one? I wish, I wish I did, but I, I don't remember the first one. Um, I remember, I remember all kinds of different ones for different reasons. Um, I remember refusing to eat 
a bowl of cereal because I didn't like the cereal brand that I was auditioning for. Like, I think it was, I had an audition for Captain Crunch and they wanted me to eat the cereal. And I was just like, no, (laughs) (laughs) that's nasty. I'm not eating that. Like, there was definitely a learning curve. Um, I remember the first time I ever had feelings for, um, like, you know, like, crushing the first time I ever had a crush type feeling on on a on a boy was at an audition I was um I was auditioning I think for like it might have been one of the escape witch mountain things or something like that but um I had an audition with another boy who was my age and he was just I, I was like, what's happening to me I can't think straight I I can't stop thinking about his perfect hair he had like one of those kind of late 90s haircuts where it was like parted down the middle you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, that old bowl cut thing yeah it looks hideous now but i'm sure it was beautiful then (laughs) yeah yeah and you know i was like nine years old and i was just like it's just so gorgeous i can't how can i possibly audition what's happening to me uh and that boy's name was leonardo dicaprio right (laughs) no but you know i but it actually was somebody who ended up being kind of um, famous, but I don't, I don't know. Who, who is it? I probably, I, I know actors. No, so. it was, it was the kid who was the voice of Hey Arnold. <laughs> no, kid, Torin, Torin Claudel. No shit. Yeah, it was him. Uh, so, but I mean, you know, that was, uh, yeah, I hope I don't like hear from him. Now. I hope he doesn't say like, why are you talking about me on <laughs> podcast? You want to know what's funny? Um, I've, I've actually reached out to, um, oh God, now I'm going to, oh, Francesca Smith, the voice of Helga. I've tried to get her on this. I haven't, we haven't done it yet, but I am trying to get her on. So that's funny that you mentioned that. I'll, if, if I do get her on, I'll, I'll, I'll tell her that off the air. <laughs> I won't, I won't oh share it with <laughs> But, um, but so, yeah. So what were you, what kind of stuff were you auditioning for? That sounds like commercials, just basically anything you could, you could audition for, right? Yeah, just anything I could. I mean, I, I, I ended up stopping after my parents split up. I had to stop when I, when I moved to Chicago, um, but it was just like uh, uh, commercials, television, film. I, I, I landed a part in a um, mini series that shot in Hawaii when I was 10. So I got flown to Hawaii and I got to do that, which was really weird. Like, because <laughs> I was weird. It was, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. But it was just funny because, um, you know, you get flown to Hawaii and, and you go and it's sunny and warm and awesome and I'm in this new tropical place and I was just like yeah I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life <laughs> it really <laughs> made me realize like acting is cool um and then a the year later but, you're in Chicago and you're like fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just uh it was sad. the first thing I ever did when I was a kid was a United Way commercial where I played like a homeless homeless beaten child um, you know, to convince people to donate their money to the United Way. Huh. That was that was fun. That was probably my <laughs> my best child childhood role. <laughs> oh, and it was for a good cause too. Absolutely. <laughs> Would you remember the first role you got, like where you didn't audition and and it and it you you went all the way through and got the role? Yeah, it was. I think it was that. Com- it was that commercial. Oh, really? Uh, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was, and then uh, after that, I did um, uh, two episodes of Days of Our Lives, and 
Um, what else did I do? Oh, I was when like when you're waiting in line for the Batman ride at Six Flags. I was in I was in the video that would was playing the line. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's funny. Did Batman save you? Were you the a child that Batman saves? Yeah, Batman saved me, and I got to go on the actual set of Batman Returns when I was a kid to shoot that, which I was I was obsessed, like because that movie had already been out and they just hadn't destroyed the set, so we got to shoot on that, and I loved that movie, so I was really excited to be to be there. Yeah, and that was uh, back in the uh, when when it was still sort of Tim. It was the Joel Schumacher ones, so it was. Uh uh super zany it wasn't this gritty christopher nolan batman it was still the crazy tim burton inspired uh sort of steampunk batman yeah those are my favorites actually i i really like the tim burton batman um i don't know i mean i like i like the christopher nolan one i get what he's doing but as far as just like the world i think i like my batman world to have some um sense of humor about itself a little bit <laughs> right some whimsy uh well yeah. i mean the the tim burton ones were sort of the first you know major superhero movies that made people go hey like super superheroes can be taken seriously i mean you had superman before that which were really the first ones but the tim burton batman was sort of like i mean it was it was the first of its kind you could say it sort of set off this uh what we have today which where superhero movies are just everywhere so yeah, those those are good movies. Um, every and Jack Nicholson is still you know one of the best Jokers. That uh, that was a, one hell of a performance. Um, but uh, so what happened after? Because you said you you had to stop it when you when you were ten and you and you started splitting your time between Chicago and L.A. So when did you go back to it then? How long of a break did you take? Uh, yeah. So when I went to school in, in Chicago, I got heavy into theater because it was. Um, what I could do out there and I mean that just kind of made me um, fall in love with theater I kind of I, yeah I, I started out as a kid just with film and commercial intelligence because I that's what I grew up around and then when I moved to Chicago I spent pretty much all my time in a theater when I wasn't in classes um, after school just you know drama club and on stage and all that Um and then I moved back to uh, L.A. right when I turned 18. Um, I started auditioning again. Uh, I got a few gigs, but then I just, you know, I, don't, I, I think I was just too insecure to really pursue it. Um, I, it was really hard for me to come back out here and get back into it again and, and be so concerned about um, you know, how I looked and how I sounded and if I was doing things right and, um, you know, what kind of voice do I have or did I want to have? Um, so I ended up, uh, taking some photography classes and studying photography. And then I, I actually started a, um, band, which really kind of became more of a performance art, um, thing like a, like another way of expressing myself and doing theater for people um but with, with kind of punk inspired music behind it um so i was uh touring with this band and uh i got 
a song on the soundtrack to Californication, which is really fun and cool and surprising. And then we ended up going on tour with the Germs when they reformed. Um, and then I, yeah. And then after that, I started doing horror theater again and, and I got back into it. I really think that it was important for me to do something on my own in, in order to just kind of get more confidence in myself. Right. Try a different medium for a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. And also just be able to use my voice. I think, you know, when you're an actor, so often you are just telling, you are the vessel through which other people's stories are told. And I really wanted to tell some of my own stories too. Um, so. That was so you did. That all came I, so I did. <laughs> well, tell us about the band, Nick. That's pretty cool. You got a, a, a song on a soundtrack to a successful TV series. You went on tour with a legendary punk band. Um, so mm-hmm. how long was that band together? Are you, is that the one you're still doing? Or, or just tell us more about it. Oh, yeah. Um, so that we were uh, about, let's see. It was not long. I was just with that band for about four years. Um, uh, um, we just went under my name. Uh, and then... We ended up, yeah, touring came to do a lot of interesting shows and meeting some pretty crazy and cool people and playing some fun venues. Um, after that, I um, I was in a couple of other bands just as kind of a backup. I can play some keyboards and sing backing vocals, and I was writing songs with a friend of mine and playing ukulele and singing and playing little vinyl clubs. And then I, I sang in a band most recently. I, I just left about a year and a half ago um, called Prissy Whip. Um, and that was a cool band. We we played at the Museum of Contemporary Art out here and at um, the, what's it called? The other museum, the other modern art museum out here. Oh my God. I can't believe I can't remember it. Yeah, I'm not from um, LA, so I can't, I can't help you. I wonder yeah, if I, I could. Yeah, I know. It doesn't help. Um, but so, yeah, it's just, I, it's just something I, I, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with music and with being a front person and singing because being in a band is like being in five bad marriages sometimes. <laughs> yes, but, it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you just, you know, you, everybody has their own reason and their own you know, what they want to do with this, what what they want to do with their baby. Like, like I want to tour all the time. I don't care if I sleep on floor. Or, you know, I just want to um, write all the lyrics myself. So I want to have write lyrics. But there's always, there's always some kind of, everybody has a different motive with what they want to do. And it's, you know, it's hard to please five people, especially five, you know, artists, five outgoing while at the same time insecure while at the same time super intelligent you know people so right it's hard to 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 reconcile every single person's needs and wants in a in a in a group like that um the lyric thing man because i used to i used to sing in bands and the lyrics it was like i write the i'm singing so i write the lyrics like i can i'll take suggestions but I have final veto over it. Just like I might suggest a guitar part, but if the guitar player didn't want to play it, then that was on him because he it's it's he's the one doing it. So that was kind of how we the bands that I was in, that was sort of how we delegated that. Everybody kind of had their job and you could make suggestions and everybody could be creative and say what they wanted, but 
the 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 person who was playing the instrument had final veto over over what was suggested. So that was the the way we dealt with that. Um, but uh, that was is it first of all is it pussy whip or prissy whip? Because that was the one that I heard of. That was the one that uh, when I was talking to my brother, uh, he he told me that you were in. So is it prissy whip or pussy? Prissy. Okay. Prissy. I, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. Um, but so that you haven't done anything musical, uh, in, uh, in a year and a half, you said, um, are you going to, do you think mm-hmm. you'll ever go back to it? I mean, it's, it's possible. I don't like saying no, because I, I never know what, what the, are we allowed to swear on here on this thing? Do you, do you, do you swear on this show? Oh yeah. It's the internet. You can say whatever the fuck you okay, want. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I try not to swear too much, but I, but I almost dropped one, and I didn't want to. Um, I, I never know what I'm doing. Although, like, I mean, I never know. I have things, and I have like things that I'm working on and ideas. But you know, sometimes I surprise myself. I don't like. I wouldn't. I, I don't think that I'm going to be in a band again. But you know, you just don't know. Yeah, it's never say never. Days. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, that's where that stands. But, but I mean, I'm really glad I did it. It's a big part of my life, obviously. But so when the the musical thing kind of died down, then did you, and you you went into immersive theater. That's sort of how you got back into acting. Uh, yeah, but well, yeah, I'm like uh, horror theater and immersive theater. So um, in LA, there's there's pretty big horror scene. And, um, and like I said before, I've always been into that and I really enjoy playing villains and monsters and things like that. So for a long time, I was, um, doing shows at a theater out here, uh, called Zombie Joe's Underground. Um, and we would do these crazy, you know, horror, horror inspired plays, um, and you know it was it was really like balls to the wall, um, hardcore athletic theater. Um, people, you know, doing things that you didn't think you'd ever see people doing on stage. Um, very acrobatic people, um, lots of stage blood, lots of movies, stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun, and it was um, it was really um, exhilarating to do yeah i i I actually ben showed me that when when i came out and visited him uh for my birthday in 2018 he the whole like week i was there he was like we have to go to see zombie joe we have to go see zombie joe we have to go see zombie joe and i was like i don't want to watch like what what exactly am i getting myself into here you know i don't want to watch a bunch of people like fucking on stage or anything and he's like no it's nothing like that it's weird it's you know there's nudity and there's like gross shit but it's nothing like that not exactly so um, mm-hmm. we we went in and I don't know what the the shows you were in if they were if they were like this but it was just basically like a bunch of little vignettes like the lights would come up there'd be a person in this like corner of the uh, of the the theater that we were in and the the stage is basically like a corner of the room it was really t- intimate um, and uh, and then they would do something like there was one where like there was this psycho like music playing and these two girls in dresses were walking around with knives and these big grins on their faces and they're like like these little dolls with uh with knives and they're just kind of you know scurrying around the stage and the lights go down again the lights come back up and there's this wrestler and he's like flexing in the in the mirror but then he starts crying and he can't stop crying and he's still flexing just like weird disturbing little visual things and so that was 
that's really cool. So that's just so for the listeners. That's what sort of this type of theater is. Um, what were the shows that you were in though, Shane? Like, tell us about what you did with him, the specific roles that you played. Uh, well, I was in, I was in a show there for a long time called Urban Death, which is kind of like this adventure show. Um, and, and, and yeah, exactly. In those shows, you don't, you don't play just one role. You play like 17 parts, um, in an hour and with 17 costume changes. So, I mean, it's just really hectic and crazy and fast moving. Um, I've played, you know, I've played zombies, vampires, murderers, murderies. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, golly, I can't even, I can't use, I mean, I really can't even think of, I've just, if it was, if it sounds terrifying or, you know, horrible, I've probably done it <laughs> <laughs> on stage. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I also, I wrote and directed a play there, too, um, my own play called Popalistic, which was about, um, it was different. It wasn't, it wasn't vignette-inspired kind of Grand Gumeal like that, like those shows we were previously talking about, but this was just a full-length play, but it was a science fiction play about um, these uh, radiation-mad lunatics in living in the post-apocalypse, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Cool, um, and it actually yeah. got produced. Like you, you, it got produced, and yeah. you, it was on stage. When when did that run? Uh, that ran in twenty seventeen, um, and I, it won an award. It won best costumes, which was just so funny because the costumes were honestly things that me and the cast we pieced together using Amazon thrift stores. It was really. Hmm. Um, but, and we were up against these like fully costumed, you know, big budget musicals. So the, the faculty <laughs> one was hilarious. Um, I'm sure they thought it was hilarious too. <laughs> They're like, we spent, we oh, had a yeah. budget, you know? <laughs> I know. I just felt bad because I had to get up there and like do the speech thing. And I was like, I, okay, thanks. Like, dude, I, I, I even felt bad. Like we just you know, used tape, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, uh, it was, it was, the character design was really fun. I've always liked really um, solid character design. Um, I like, I love it when you watch something and there are people who you can remember clearly as if closing your eyes, you can still see every detail of them. Um, so I was into that. But yeah, I've, I've um, directed uh, 13, no, I'm sorry, 15 uh, short plays that I've written out here. Um, but it's been, I mean, none of them have had long runs. It's, it's all been, uh, like, you know, a weekend or two weekends or even one night. So it's, that's prolific though. Right. 15 plays to do everything, you know, like you said, you know, you write it, then you got to produce it. That's costumes. That's blocking. That's getting a venue. If you don't already have one, you know, that's, and to do that mm -hmm. 15 times, even if it is just for a night, you know, that's prolific. Well, it's fun. And I mean, for me personally, I, I, I learned how to do theater in a black box. So I like, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy the absence of a, um, of a set. I really, I really like figuring out how to stage things and, and use costumes and people, um, and movement in ways in which the audience can imagine everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really, even if, even if I had like a huge budget and a giant stage, I mean, I think the kind of set I would design for for a show would be um, 
just more abstract and more to do with shape rather than just crowding the stage with a ton of stuff that distracts the audience from the actual story. Right. You don't need elaborate set pieces to get the, the, the proper emotion uh, across mm-hmm. to the audience. Um, well, because I want to ask you this because, um, you know, it, you do a lot of immersive theater, horror theater, like you said, and it sounds like that's more your bread and butter these days than the, than the Captain Crunch commercial type stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah. do you prefer that over film and, and, and uh, you know, over TV and all that? Um, you know, well, that's, a, that's a really hard question because, um, so in 2017, I was in a, I was in a uh, state farm commercial and I lived off of that for a year and a half, pretty much. And because I did that commercial, I was able to do a ton of theater and do, and, and really like explore, you know, these weird ideas I had and these things that I wanted to do. Um, so, I mean, I'm grateful for that work because it's good work for an actor. It really is. Um, it's good money and it's, and it's, and it's helps you have a solid foundation to like experiment and try other things. Um, and I love, I, I, I do love film acting. I'm, I'm in a, in the movie I'm in that's out right now on Amazon prime, I believe, um, called better off Z, uh, in which I play, um, this woman who, who's become a zombie. Um, I mean, it's not that, that huge of a, part I mean it's a pretty it's it's a good sized part but and I loved doing that I loved the process and and I and I and I'm proud of the work I did and um but I like theater because it's just so immediate and it's so alive and it's and it's and it keeps me in shape and it keeps me close to to the thing that I love for like a long period of time like if I'm in a show that's running for uh, you know, when I do uh, Delusion with with your brother, Benji, we do this show and, and we're in the show for three to six months, you know. And so I'm I'm doing the thing I love and I'm and I'm and I'm telling the story and I'm close to the thing that I love for a much longer period of time. Whereas if I'm working on a film or on a commercial, it's you know, I'm on set for three days and then it's done and then I have a really hard time watching myself on screen. And that's not even really why I like to do it anyway. Like, it's not like I, I would sit at home and just watch my, my movies that I'm in all the time because it's, it's hard to do. Um, but I really just enjoy the act of doing the work. I feel like that whole answer made me sound like a, like an asshole. No, no, no. <laughs> Everything you said, like I, you said, it's hard to watch yourself. Adam Driver has been talking about that a lot where he cannot watch himself. Um, and I've, I know I've heard other actors say that too, because all you see is mistakes. All you're like, all you see is like, oh, I should have said that differently. Oh, I should, that facial expression isn't authentic enough, you know. And and the yeah. thing with theater is, film is forever. You only get one shot to get it right. Whereas theater, you can change it up as much as you want every night, and as long as it is the rhythm, you, you know, as long as the emotion lands and the rhythm is right, it, it it'll work. Um, so a lot of actors that I talk to say they prefer theater for that reason, because they're like, I can, it's just, like you said, more immediate and it's more freeing. You can try things because there's no, it's okay. It's on the film and you can't change it now. And it's, and you're at the mercy of the editor to pick the best take and and put together the story in a way that makes you look like you did your job. So I completely understand. Don't, I did not get asshole from that, uh, from that answer at all. Okay. 
Good. I'm glad. I did. I, I did not want to sound like that type of uh, actor. But yeah, it's just. I mean, for me, it's not even like looking at my mistakes. Like I've, 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 I've trained enough. You know, when when I've gone to classes, which I I was in classes for film acting for a long time, where I know, I know how to do my work in a way. When I when I see it, I'm not even judging myself for my mistakes. It's honestly just like personal insecurities that nobody else is even thinking about you know it's, i mean it's really awful stuff like it just you know having to look at yourself the way that other people see you in not in a way that you can kind of just you know i don't know it's uh well it this- is hard and when adam driver did that whole thing about when he left the interview because they played part of his performance a lot of people were giving him a hard time and i I I feel for him. I mean, I, if he said like I'd really like to not watch my performance, and then they played his performance in front of them, that that's not cool. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was it was because it was Terry Gross, it was Fresh Air, this like legendary interview show, and she was probably like, you know, you're Adam. You've been famous for like what, like truly famous, probably for about five years. And uh, and mm-hmm. she's been doing it for thirty. She was probably like, he'll be fine. He'll deal with it. And then when he gets up and leaves, she's like, oh, I guess I was wrong. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I didn't think I'm like, if the guy didn't, if, if they snuck up on him like that, that's not the way to, to, uh, to go about that. And I, and he, he did the right thing. If that's how he feels about it, you know, he stuck to his convictions and, and it's just an interview. I mean, it is Terry gross, but still it ultimately it's just an interview and, you know, star Wars already had plenty of publicity anyway. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, do you think that, um, everything you were just talking about with like watching yourself and all that, you know, you, like you said, the way people see you, do you think that that goes back to when you were 18, you came back and you were kind of having a hard time getting back into it and, and you ultimately went to music uh, instead? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely think so. I think that that's just been a, I, it, I think that that's just been, you know, a hard thing for me. My, my whole life probably is just having to like, look outside of myself, look at myself, that those kinds of insecurities are, I don't know. That's just, that just happens. And I mean, and I do think that that's why I'm, if my favorite was to do, if I could do any other work, um, it would be to um, write and direct uh, my own stories and then jump in and play a small role from time to time if I felt like I was right for it. Mm-hmm. Um, to tell my own stories and then be able to be performative in that story and in, in, in the place where I feel like I could best serve the story. Um, so, yeah. Well, so what other, um, like, uh, you know, TV and, and, the, and, and, uh, film type projects have, and have you done in the past couple of years then since you've sort of, like you said, you did that state farm commercial, which is funny. Cause I actually, I ended up seeing it. I think that was when, Ben like first told me about you because we were we were in the movie theater and we were about to see Fences that old Denzel Washington movie that was out like three or four years ago and the, this commercial came on and at some point and we were just talking and then all of a sudden he goes oh there's Shane and he points at the screen and I'm like which and he's like yeah the woman he's like that's that's my friend Shane and then the commercial's over because you know they're all thirty seconds and uh, yeah. and then I was like oh so that's that's kind of cool um but like what what have you been doing I know you were on Westworld too you, you said you had a you had a part on Westworld recently or yeah recently, well, but... yeah um so I um 
I was on that, but it was, I was doing basically just, um, featured background work, um, wherein they were just looking for people to be half naked and making out. So I said, yeah, I can, I can do that. So it was in, it was in the brothel (laughs) then. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did that. Um, I am in that film that are offset, and then I did. I'm in another film that came out last year um, called The Monster Project. Um, I just have one very short scene in that film. Um, I play a girl who's bleeding from her eyes. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I've started doing something new this year that I'd I'd never done before. Um, I'm on a, a tabletop role playing game show. Uh, called LA by Night, and um, it's based off of uh, Vampire the Masquerade, and I play a vampire um, named Katia. Um, so we did. I was in one episode in season one, and I'm going to be in a couple of episodes in season two, which actually comes out on January 31st on Twitch.com/slash World of Darkness. All right. And what, what's, what's it called again? LA by night. LA by night. Yeah. All right. Um, um, and it's, it's my favorite thing that I've, that I've done this year. It's, it's a really new process for me and I love it because it involves, you know, improvisation and acting and gameplay and the people on the show are really amazing. And I've made some really great friends. Yeah. What's it called again? You said it was, it was tabletop something. What is it? And it's, a, it's a tabletop role-playing game, so it's like it's like Dungeons and Dragons, but oh. um, it takes place in the modern age today, and it's about vampires right now who live in the city of Los Angeles and what they do at night. I see. And what does your? I mean, can you share what you know some of the more plot details, or is it something that they'd rather you keep? Uh... Yeah, of course I can. Uh, so there's there's a. Uh, there's a coterie of vampires who uh, live in the valley and they, they work in the valley and it's basically just about, you know, um, it's a, a political and personal story for them. And it's about what they have to do to um, survive, but also how they have to deal with their thirst for blood um, during the game. You get hungry and you have to figure out how you're going to deal with this hunger. And at the same time, you need to maintain the masquerade, which is basically hiding from humanity the fact that you are kindred, that you are you are vampires. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And each each type of vampire has special powers or, or disciplines they can use in combat. Um, What's yours? I came on the show. Hmm? What's your uh, discipline or power? Um, I can't really, I, you know, I can't really reveal that because those are going to be revealed in, in the next season. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, but, uh, I came on the show as kind of a villainess type, maybe, maybe not a little more complicated than that, but I'm a, I, but I am a Tremere vampire, which means I can use, uh, blood magic so I can manipulate blood to, um, create these kind of powers and this magic all right well um so it's amazing how uh vampires are still relevant you know and keep getting reinvented 
after all this mm-hmm. time. I remember when Twilight came out, people were like, that's it. Vampires are done. You can't come back from this. This is this is it. And that was, what, 12? Well, actually, the book came out, I think, in like 2005. So that's 15 years ago. And here we are. And vampires yeah. are still, you know, that's that. I've never really heard that approach before. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, it, no, it is. It is super cool. And I think, I mean, vampires have been around forever, and they will continue to be around. I don't think. I don't think the movie, like, you know, I don't think the Twilight series is going to ever ruin vampires. And I mean, I kind of, I kind of take issue with people, um, like, for example, uh, older people who love vampires who have a problem with the Twilight series. I don't, I don't, I don't even understand because I think what Twilight did was it introduced young people um, to this idea that monsters and vampires and, and these supernatural dark creatures could tell really interesting, beautiful stories. And I'm all about that mm-hmm. no matter what. Um, even if, even if the movies are kind of shitty, I think it's, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, tell a kid, not to like a vampire movie. I just, I can't do that because when I was a kid, I loved, I loved horror movies. I loved cheesy horror movies. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, (laughs) nothing to be ashamed of there. I actually, um, my next, uh, I've kind of got these uh, short rapid fire questions for you here because we're we're closing in on the top of the hour here. Um, But uh, okay, so uh, so like quick answers. Yeah, it's it's quick. You can expand on them, but just uh, you know, just uh, you know, keep them keep them somewhat succinct. Um, But uh, the first one I'll ask is, uh, what was uh, when you used to go to the video store and rent those movies? Like, what was your favorite movie to to get? Oh man, Uh, the people under the stairs. Ah, Wes Craven. Yes. Yeah, I love that movie so much. That was one I actually th- doesn't that star. Oh God, it's it's uh, Jesse Jesse Smollett's brother, I think, in the Mighty Ducks. He played his brother in the Mighty Ducks. I can't remember his damn yeah. name, but yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. that one was on. Uh, I saw that on like the Sci Fi Channel when I was a kid, and that was. I loved horror movies, but I was also a huge pussy, so I would like switch <laughs> the channel. You know. You know, and like switch back and switch switch away when something scary happened. And so, anyway, yeah. But um, uh, so who are your influences uh, when it comes to acting? Your biggest influences? Um, uh, I mean, my influences are so dumb. Well, a lot of my influences, honestly, are just are just my friends. I think that happens when you're when you're doing theater. Um, because it just everything comes kind of cool and about your community. Um. There's this guy out here um, named uh, Daniel Alexander. He does um, he does immersive theater, and he writes and directs and produces and acts in his own shows. And so, I mean, he's an influence of mine. My friend Jason Britt, who's just an incredible actor and human. Um, when I was a, when I was a kid, I I mean like Nicolas Cage, <laughs> and, Conair, hell yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Christopher Lloyd, um, but also you know as I, I mean just kind of, uh, Faye Dunaway as like Bonnie and Clyde and um, Little Big Man were a couple of my favorite movies when I was younger, and I loved her performances in those films, even though I hear she's kind of a bee in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, 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 I took, I took my inspiration from, you know, a lot of different people, people too, and in, in music, people in like the late 
um, 70s, early 80s punk scene in Southern California. I look at what they did, and I think, like, that's something I can use in my act, too. Or, like, Tomato Do Plenty from the Screamers. Um, or, like, you know, anything X did. Um, uh, the Germs, that kind of stuff. Right on. Uh, what was your most challenging role? And it can be any medium, whether it's theater, immersive theater, film, whatever. <laughs> I play a, a fire monster in um, a delusion virtual reality series. Oh. And I have to wear a gigantic, uncomfortable, sweaty <laughs> costume that's really hard to move in. And I have to move very well in it. Um, and that's the hardest role that I play. It's, I mean, it's just hard because the costume makes it hard. Um, is it like the Hulk or something like the, the, you know, like the sort of like costume that the guy that Mark Ruffalo would wear, where it's like a giant shoulder set and you, or is it like just a bunch of pads? Like yeah. what exactly is it? it it's, it, it's, it's, God, I don't know. Describe. I'm supposed to look like a fire that's come to life. Um, but it's like a fire from a fireplace. So it's, it's like the costume has these plastic logs all over it with <laughs> flames coming out of it. And, you know, this giant face mask that I can hardly see out of. Like, if you saw, I should send you a picture of me in it. If you, you, if you saw this, you would be like, Shane is not in there. Yeah, like, <laughs> send it to me. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. What's the character's name again? Uh, Ember. Oh, Ember. Okay, yeah. And that's the one of the delusion. Uh, that's the delusion VR game, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, they just they they're coming out with the. I think it's. Oh, I think you can watch it. I just have no idea how to how to consume VR content. But it's called Delusion Lies Within. Um, it came out this year, and I am a fire monster. <laughs> All right, named Ember with no that apparently is just shaped like a fire. There's no like humanoid qualities to it. It's just this giant raging fire. It kind of has a face and arms and legs. Um, it's, it's, oh gosh, you got to see it to believe it. Yeah. Send me that picture. <laughs> I'll, 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 uh, I'll post it on the Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. if I'm allowed to, if, if I'm not allowed to, let me know. But, uh, uh, okay. let me see here. Uh, what's your favorite role that you've played so far? Um, I got to play at the Banshee once in the, in a play, um, the Irish, you know, uh, Deathbringer. Um, and I really liked playing her, uh, cause it's, you know, I, I, um, I liked going into that world of, um, mythology and death and I liked being scary. I didn't scream at all, but, um, the writer gave me this very well-written monologue about my, um, motivations as the banshee and i loved it uh what's a role that you haven't played yet that you would like to play um well my, i mean my favorite thing to play is a, a villain or a monster and i've done that a lot and i'm so grateful because it's my favorite thing to do but i think if i could play anything now i would i would love to play try and try my hand at playing kind of a, a, a romantic lead I, I never i never do that um and i just think it would be fun to see how how that would work out for me but yeah all right um well uh 
what uh, what do you have coming up in the future then, Shane? What's your next? Uh, what are some of your next moves or projects you have coming out? You mentioned the LA by Night thing's coming out soon. Um, uh, yeah, that's the season starts on January thirty first, um, and then I don't really know what's next for me. Um, I'm going to sign with a new management company, uh, and hopefully we'll see what opportunities that brings me. I'm in a writing workshop now um, out here in LA. And I'm working on a on a play, a full length play there, and I'm really excited about that. So um, we'll see, we'll see what that does. Yeah, and that's what you said you really want to do anyway. Sort of write your own and direct your own stuff, and then if you feel like it, have a small role in in those in those pieces uh, if 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 you feel like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Shane. Uh, we were at the top of the hour here, so uh, that was that flew by. Um, thanks so much. Um, Thank you so much. It was a blast. Yeah. Well, um, hang on the line. I'll give you a proper goodbye when uh, we're off the air. Um, but uh, everybody else, um, I will be back next week, and uh, I am blanking on my freaking guest. Oh, who? It, it's uh, Ron Thielman, uh, former bassist for Ghosts of August, uh, and a friend of mine. He. Uh, plays upright bass he's produced a bunch or worked on some albums uh steven wilson he worked on a steven wilson album um and a whole bunch of other stuff we'll get to all of it next week Um looking forward to that very much but uh shane easton thanks so much for being on uh once more and uh everybody else have a great week this has been american whiner on podcast detroit.com <laughs>